0: And welcome to another episode of the ABBA podcast. Here's your host, John McDonald Well, folks, welcome again to the ABBA podcast. And it is my great pleasure to have my friend Michael Bird here. Uh, Michael, welcome to the ABBA podcast. It's so good yeah. to have you here. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, now, the majority of people on here won't know who Michael Bird is. They'll be wondering, who is this guy? So who is Michael
1: Bird? Where's he from? What's his journey? Well, John, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think when I actually met you for the first time, but it was probably about four years ago. I mean, oh. I... Oh, wow. Or was it? Yeah, three, four years ago, somewhere yeah. around. We kind of connected. and so we, were, like, we were
0: aware of each other before then, but exactly. we actually sat and had a conversation.
1: Yeah. I think the first time was down at the, at the gathering down in the South Coast. Was it at Oasis, or was it at Oasis? Ah, oh, it was at Oasis. That's correct. That it was Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so who am I? Well, I'm. My name is Michael, as John has said. Um, I'm originally born and raised in South Africa. Um, left South Africa 25 years ago and moved to Scotland, actually. And I was in Scotland working for a South African company, and then lived in Scotland for four years. Um, and then decided to move down to London to go back to university to train to be a midwife, bizarrely. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, and I've been in London kind of backwards and forwards for the last, since 2001. Uh, But I was born and raised in a very small town in South Africa called Stellenbosch, for those of you- Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know Stellenbosch, John? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. A small little town, probably about 45 minutes drive from Cape Town. Uh, n- nice wine. Beautiful wine. And a very beautiful <laughs> town. A very, very beautiful town, but incredibly conservative. Um, and I, a, a university town and a very strong Afrikaans stronghold. I was going to say, was it, was it very Africano? Very Afrikaans, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously I was born and raised uh, kind of in the midst of apartheid in South Africa. Um, so it was a very white Kind of almost extremist stronghold, conservative little Afrikaans town, um, which brought its huge challenges uh, of growing up and you know living and uh, you know being slightly different. It was it was hard and tough. Um, so how did how did faith come into the picture for you, Michael? How did faith come into the picture? So I so I was born and raised in a Christian family, John. Right. Um, from from the minute i can remember my parents uh you know haul the haul us kids to church on a sunday morning uh you know i was probably four or five years old when i my first memories of kind of going to church and oh. um, being aware of who god is and being aware of salvation and being aware of these things you know so it's always been part of my life
0: there's wow. nev-
1: there's never been a moment even my journeys of of up and down and, uh, you know, um, there's never been in a moment that I haven't been aware of who God is.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I mean, growing up in apartheid, I mean, I've I've spoken to lots of of black people about that, but I haven't really spoken to many Afrikaans or or white people about what apartheid was like to, to be a part of. How did that affect you, Michael,
1: growing up in that kind of atmosphere? You know, John... I guess, I guess when you don't know what's going on around you, you blissfully unaware. You know. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in this bubble of South Africa um, where white, black people weren't allowed to go to school with me, black people weren't allowed to go to the same churches, they weren't allowed to go to the same beaches, they weren't allowed to go to the same supermarkets, they weren't allowed to marry, they weren't allowed to have relationships. So the only, I didn't have any black friends the only Black people I knew were Black people that worked in our home and Black people that worked, um, you know, in the garden. And we were completely segregated. Wow. Um, and, and, yeah, it was really, I guess I, I was blissfully unaware. And school, no. and school was very conservative and actually really spoke for apartheid. No. We talk, we're talking about the 80s now. And um, I went to an all boys school and it was very strict, very conservative. Um, and the first time I realized actually that, wow, something has something is not right is when I left South Africa, when I was 17, I left South Africa and I moved to Israel. And, um, And then I started becoming aware, being removed from the situation uh, to looking back at what I'd grown up in and realizing, oh my goodness gracious me, what I'd grown up in was such a mess. Mm. And it was so... yeah, it was just really hard. I remember meeting this black girl, Anne, on the on the kibbutz that I was working on, and she was from London, um, and she had a much better uh, understanding and diction of English than I ever had. She spoke like the Queen. And when I met her, I always tell people the story. When I met her, I, I was like, "This just does not make sense to me." You know, here's this black woman who is on equal level as me, who who, uh, you know, yeah, is on equal level to me. And I really struggled with it. I really, really wow. struggled with it because it was something that was so foreign to me.
0: Well, you'd also um, been indoctrinated, hadn't you? You'd so been indoctrinated that that black people were not on the same level as you.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, and its I guess it's not something yet you, you actually sat down while you lived in, in Stellenbosch to work through and rationalise. It was just like, this is the way it is and this is what I've always known. Yeah. And suddenly you're being confronted with this person who does not conform to that. Absolutely. And it's totally outside your experience. That must be mind-blowing, Michael.
1: It was mind-blowing for me. And I remember her like I met her yesterday, John. And that I'm talking, I'm, I'm 51 now. and That was when I was 17, 18. So, And it was as clear, it's as clear as daylight to me. And I met her and I was immediately confronted with, wow, my goodness my prejudices towards black people my really? my uh yeah everything that i'd grown up on and everything that i thought was normal i realized was absolutely not normal you know oh, and um yeah it was really hard it was really hard and actually that that has been a long process john um you know i can li- I, I can lie and say oh you know uh you know it's fine now but i still after the age that I am, I still have to confront those prejudices in my own heart, mm-hmm. you know. And and yeah, I mean, I I I'm in a totally different place where I was then. But it is something that you're so indoctrinated with, and something yeah. that has been so deeply ingrained in who you are, um, is very difficult to undo. And oh, even sorry, when I, sorry you go carry on? Even when I go back to South Africa now and I'm confronted with it again, because you know it's still very very uh, present in South Africa. Um, mm-hmm. It is now that I, when I go back, I'm absolutely um, horrified at, you know, that the reality of some of that is still happening in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult for me. Very, very hard.
0: Yeah, because I mean, it's in your school. It's in your uh, politics. It's in the church. It's in your family. It's yeah, in your friends. And, and it's so difficult to imagine that they say don't do that you know give me the boy before he's seven and i'll show you the man and it's almost like those first years that's all you know and it and it's it's almost it becomes into your your being yeah Uh, and i know you know myself i've had different prejudices and and i still find my, my heart wrestling with oh i thought that was dealt with and it's still There's still something present because it was there in the very beginning.
1: Yeah, absolutely, John. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and it is a lifelong process of unpicking and unravelling. Yeah, And it's really interesting, the journey that, that God has brought me on because you... I, I've been very organic in my life, John. Like my life, I have not planned anything. I'm not one of these people that have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I live dead. am the same. <laughs> yeah, and it's always just worked for me and it's always been just organic and I flowed with, with my heart and I flowed with God. And um, I mean, my kind of job now, I work with for the last 12 years, 11, 12 years, I've worked with majority sub-Saharan African women and um and and it's been really interesting what god has done in my heart um about learning to love and learning to forgive and learning to just walk with with these women and african women who i have deep connections with and deep relationships with and deep um beautiful moments with and and I know that it was God part of God's plan to bring out and to the, the unlearning of everything that I had learned as a child but it's taken a long time you know it's awesome though it's awesome.
0: awesome to to be to see the other side of you know that's fabulous Michael Who yeah
1: it's really been amazing, John. It's really, that part of it has been of, of of my heart and of my life, I look back and I look back at it now and you don't always understand when you're in it, but when you sit and you and you look, you realize, oh my goodness, yeah, I can see why I've journeyed through that, you know? <laughs> Um, and I can see why I've journeyed through the last ten years of working in this job, and and I know that a lot of it is to do a lot with God put me in this place that I can unlearn and I can learn wow. to, learn, you wow. know, um, yeah. So it's been amazing, awesome. So you you were saying that you, you went, you, your earliest
0: memories of going to church is perhaps four or five years old. Yeah. What, I mean, when was was there ever a moment when you thought actually I want to take this seriously and I want to walk with God I want to serve God or what I mean was there any kind of period
1: where you went through that kind of thing you know what I remember John from the earliest memories of of knowing him of having deep spiritual experiences with God and they were not religious they were just me and him I remember sitting at church as a six-year-old boy just experiencing the presence of God. My parents used to take us to a mission station called Sabantu, which there was a revival amongst the Zulus in, in Zululand in South Africa, a German guy, a German guy by the name of Oler Stegen came over and he started this mission station. Um, and my parents used to take us there as kids and we used to spend like a week at a time on this mission station. And, um, I, I remember my earliest memories again there, probably I was about 9, 10, 11 years old, as sitting in these meetings and listening to the, the, the Zulus worship and just having the most profound experiences with God, just sitting there crying and crying and crying as the presence of God would just come wow. and just bring life to my heart, you know um so I've always had these powerful experiences but yet with these powerful experiences I've had some very difficult experiences that I've had to journey through and that I've had to work with um and so so there have been moments where and I think as I said before the podcast started that there's been moments where I, I I've always had an awareness of God so even when I've turned my back on him and seem to have walked the other way it's I've still always known that he is there and I've always reached out to him and I've always, in the depth of craziness in my life, I've always had connection with him. So that's never been severed. But there have definitely been moments where it's been easier and moments yeah. where, okay, now is now is time that I'm going to invest more into this, you know, more yeah. into, mm-hmm. into being with him. But there's always been... Uh, i i I have to be truly honest and say that there's all i've never not known and i've never and i've never had moments where i have never believed that he's real because i always have believed that, that that he's real you know that's incredible michael yeah, you know, yeah, I feel very yeah. blessed with that, John. I feel very, yeah. very blessed. And actually, in the difficulties of things that I journeyed in my childhood, and the things that I've journeyed, I, I, what I can say is I'm so eternally grateful, um, even though that it was very religious and very structured for my parents for sowing that into me at a young yeah. age. You know. Um, it wasn't it wasn't perfect by any means but 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 it, it it started something in my heart you know that's incredible so
0: so basically there's always been an awareness that, that he's real he's there he's he's for you but then you've had times where you've intentionally pressed into that
1: exactly exactly oh. and I've I never really I never really have a memory of when I got kind of saved or yeah. once again you know because it's always been There's times where I've said it, but I've always known.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I have a couple of friends, other friends like that, who are the same. You know, everyone says, on this day in 1990, I get saved. And and people would say to them, when did you get saved? And they were like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just, I just know I woke up one day and realised that I'm walking with God, and I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it doesn't fit the pattern, does it? It doesn't fit that idea of like, when did you get saved?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do remember having experience at a at a church camp. Actually, I must have been about six years old, um, and I do remember in this in this kind of like children's church thing, kind of in my heart, making some kind of commitment to God. Yeah, but I. Uh, I mean, it was very, it was very loose. You know, what do you but know that, when you six? But you know so much that you know, you know. But then it was a part of your journey that had started previously. Exactly. <laughs> it's not as though it
0: was a sudden moment. It was a progression of your journey. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Wow, wow. And of course, you and I met through the whole um, Father Heart Ministries, the love of the Father. How did how did that revelation come to you, Michael? God as your your father as your parent.
1: Well, what I what I can truly honestly say, John, that, that was a that was a game changer for me. You know, that was a that 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 revelation in my heart literally transformed pretty much everything that that my life was before. You know, so it, it it really, I mean, I knew God, I knew his presence, I knew Jesus. Um, you know I had I'd had relate you know I knew the Holy Spirit, I knew his presence I I journeyed through kind of you know the whole Toronto th- uh, mm. kind of blessing I'd experienced all that um, but yet yet something something there was something missing you know I wouldn't have known that but yeah. but when I had the revelation I realized what was missing. Um and and yeah, I I'd heard about you know God as a father, God as a father. I'd read books, I'd I'd yeah. but I but I'd never had an awakening in my heart and I'd never had the revelation. And um it was at an A school in in um in church in Colliers Wood at, at Oasis with right. with Trevor and with Wynette, Trevor and Wynnette did the A school, and it was in that school where kind of God really opened up my heart and I saw something new and I saw something fresh and I saw him, you know, standing there as my father. And, and, and knowing that, that. and I think, I think what became so much more real to me in that time, John, was that, that what it means to be a son, because oh. you, you can have a father and have a revelation of the father, but if you don't have a revelation of sonship, then Mm -hmm. then then it's then then what is it you know but but it's that it's that relationship it's that father-son relationship it's that father-daughter relationship you know it's not him as a father but it's me as a son and how do i respond as a son to a father and how do i allow to to father me as a son and and i think in that revelation i realized the the brokenness in my earthly relationship with my father who I love dearly and I've had a great relationship with but that was quite difficult um but but so so it opened up something in me to think wow this is now part of my journey where I have to allow father to father me and how do I respond to him as a son and what does sonship look like I didn't have a clue I had no clue because I never really knew what it was to be a son to my own father, and um, so so that opening up just really 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 changed my life, you know, because I had to now start confronting issues with me in that area of allowing father to father me, and it's been beautiful. I can just only say that it's been beautiful. It's been quite. It's been challenging. It's been difficult. It's been. You know, it's been quite isolating because things have happened. But but I but I look back, and that was 2015 that I, that that revelation really took hold of me. And I I see how I've journeyed now, um, and just just the freedom that I walk in now that I never walked in before is on a different level. That's amazing.
0: Was Was there any particular point where you you thought this is this is what broke it open for you or was it just an accumulation of of things
1: i remember sitting under te- under a table at, at the church kind of journaling um and again it was a thing on sonship john it was a mm. thing on sonship and i think god really showed me in that moment that you know what what sonship really was and that i was created to be a son i've always been his son you know it's not since i was a had a an experience of who he is before the foundation of this earth I was created to be his son Um, and and I think in that moment where I realized that this awesome amazing incredible father that I have I'm his son and I'm part of him and I think that just that revelation just broke it open for me. That eternally past, eternally present, and eternally future. My 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 the core of who I am is I'm His son. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's really all that matters. My relationship with Him and my journey as his, as His son. You know, yeah. everything else is peripheral. Every 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 other struggle, every other difficulty. It's that it's that that relationship with my father and and me walking as a little boy uh, as his son that that is just such a beautiful thing for me
0: so how uh, this might be difficult to answer but how does that impact on kind of daily living then michael you know we talk about having revelations and and it sounds wonderful but how you know are you able to articulate how that impacts in your daily living
1: do you know what john i think um, I mean, I, I, have journeyed, um, my, 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 entire life kind of, you know, struggling with my sexuality, struggling with, uh, I mean, I, I say it's struggling now. I don't feel it's so much of a struggle anymore, but it was a struggle of same-sex attraction and, um, living in a homosexual lifestyle, um, And I think prior to having this understanding was I lived in such guilt and condemnation Mm. because of my past, because of my life, because of my thoughts, because of my actions. The condemnation was so intense for me. And, And I think walking on a daily basis now and walking in the sonship, I realized I don't live in condemnation anymore. Oh. I don't live in condemnation anymore, John. I don't, I don't, mm. I'm not condemned by who I am. Mm. Um, and I'm not condemned by my life and I'm not condemned about, you know, and and I think on a daily basis for me, the, the, the I, uh, what I've realized over the last while is, wow, that, that condemnation has gone from me. That's you awesome. Know? And, on, and, and, and I think that's what it looks like on a daily, daily uh, uh, living for me is that I, you know, in a relationship with father and, and experiencing that love and letting that love come in, it just crushes um, anything else that might mm-hmm. you know, come into me and say to me otherwise you know so knowing my sonship knowing my hand and this as you know life comes with so many pressures and so many so many things that we've been born and raised with so many um you know yeah just so much stuff from the world and from our past and from everything that comes in to to bring condemnation in our lives and 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 the most the beautiful thing is that that there is no condemnation for those who walk with jesus you know for those who have a revelation of who father is there isn't any Wow, that's awesome!
0: Yeah, because I mean, you must have lived a lot of guilt—not just about things you've done, but but because you felt that way, because you were same same sex attracted. There must have been a lot of guilt and shame and confusion there, Michael.
1: Yeah, absolutely, John. You know, I, 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 I mean, you know you know and I know that there's always been kind of like why are people same-sex attracted where does that come from like what are the issues surrounding same-sex attractions and there's a lot of theories there's a lot of which I've looked into I've learned I've I've read about and and where does it start where does it where did it begin in my life you know why Mm -hmm. why you know at the age of 51 um am i still do i still prefer men to women you know what i mean um yeah and growing up, growing up in south africa in a very conservative in a very difficult there was no expression of that at all mm-hmm. uh, I, I was i couldn't express that and i i i had i had sexual experiences at a young age um and the sexual experiences were with men and i kind of look back at that now and think that absolutely you know kind of moved me in the direction of of having same-sex attraction you know sexual experiences are very powerful mm. and and, yes. and and blueprint into your life you yes. know um and and i often wonder if i didn't have those sexual experiences when i was young whether i would still be walking this way today i will never know but that's besides the point that's that's not what it is yeah. but you know having those sexual having those sexual experiences and then journeying as a young boy as a young adult um always then realizing that my sexual attraction was Towards men and not towards women um, was a very, very hard thing for me, John. Mm. Especially to 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 face because in my growing up and and in the Christian world that I knew, it was n- not an option at all. You know, yeah, it was kind <laughs> of like kind of
0: like poofs not allowed.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, poofs definitely not allowed, and 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 you go to hell. You know, you will go to hell, even though that you, are, that you are born again, you will go to hell if you get, you know, and um, so, so it was a struggle for me, John, a real yeah. struggle, and, and I, I, I did act out on it, um, but I would never let anybody know, you know, so sure. even, even, you know, I'd be acting out in, in kind of, you know, sexual encounters with men, um, but, but, you know, it was all behind closed doors and and i could never face the reality of this is how i feel this is this mm. is my attraction is inside um you know it was it was turmoil all i can say it was i i i felt like this schizophrenic person you know this so, is this is my so, one part, this is my other life so was it like yeah i'm enjoying having this sexual
0: encounter but afterwards there's guilt there's shame there's fear there's
1: absolutely absolutely <laughs> You know, because you 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 hiding something so deeply, um, you know, connected to who you are. You know, yeah. and and oh, I had I had kind of a few breakdowns as, as a young adult. Um, yeah. You know, just just all because I was carrying so much of this and just didn't have an outlet on how to deal with it or where to go with it or yeah. You know? um and also just yeah you know my my, my family were my my mum and dad were and still are it's quite difficult subject we don't talk about it and mm-hmm. um you know so not having that approval from your parents you know having wow. absolute disapproval from your parents about life choices that you've made um and and then being rejected by them you know so i think that's when like this revelation of god is your father coming in just really broke that open as well, because I realized, wow, you know, fathering is not about, you know, disagreeing about what you're doing, or, you know, Mm -hmm. fathering is about just loving unconditionally. And, and I, and I felt like I was never loved unconditionally, because of the choices that i had made, there were conditions on the love that, that my friends, my church members, my family put on me. And the conditions were that I abide by their rules and I abide by what the word of God says and I abide by these things and anything out of that is not of him and, and we will not accept. And
0: well, I think, I think that's, that's something interesting you say there, Michael, you know, abide by the word of God, but, but really what they're saying is abide by my understanding of the word of God. <laughs> Absolutely, John. You know, because you know, and I know that the scriptures are very easily misinterpreted and mistranslated and misunderstood because we don't understand the cultural background. We don't understand the original language. Uh, yeah. And, and we just have, we just look at the English and say, well, homosexuals are condemned, therefore this is sin. Uh, and, you know, I, I was saying to you earlier, I, I just, I've read this guy's book, Justin Lee, um, and he speaks about his journey like that. He grew up in a Southern Baptist home, like yeah. yourself. Like this is the way it is. Yeah. Like yourself, aware of God from a young age, desiring to walk with God and serve God. And he wrestled with this whole thing: why don't I like women? Yeah, you know. And he went through the whole uh, secret, not telling anyone. And yeah. um, he didn't have any sexual encounters because he was just worried that he Would go to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but he wrestled the whole thing, he went through the the ex-gay ministries, went to loads of those. Um, but it took him a long time to reconcile the fact that this is the way I am. Yeah. Um, I didn't choose to be this way.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh it's just it's just the way I am. Yeah. Um and I, I think that's the thing, you know, because You must have had this, as he did in in his book, these accusations thrown at you. Like, well, just don't, you know, stop it and don't. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Because because we've we've been sold this lie that it's it's a choice. Yeah, Uh, we've been sold the lie that it's 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 your parents not parenting you properly, so therefore you you just need healed. Yeah, Um, you know. You know, you were abused, you weren't loved enough, you were, you know, all of these things. Yeah. yeah. And actually, the science doesn't bear that out.
1: Yeah.
0: We don't we don't know why people are born same-sex attracted. Um closest would come, I think, is there's been a couple of studies, and something happens hormonally.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh in the in the womb. You know, the mum's mum's hormones can affect the baby. Uh and they've they've done research on brain on the brains of of same sex attracted people and and even their own siblings who are not same sex attracted, yeah,
1: <laughs> who are
0: who, are, who are heterosexual, and they, they see differences in the brains, yeah, that have that that are and now the, the the guys that have come up with that research say there are lots of unanswered questions within this as well, yeah, it's not cut and dried, and so it's very, and I think I think. The thing I don't like about the Christian world's treatment of people who are same-sex attracted is it's, they make it too black and white.
1: Yeah,
0: Like, you just meet Jesus, and it's like, well, I have Jesus. You know, No, you can't have Jesus because you're just sinning. <laughs> and yeah. it's, I mean, did you go through all of that, Michael? Those kind of things and conversations and struggles?
1: Yeah, you know, John, I, I mean, I tried everything. Let me tell you, I've tried everything. From the minute I knew, actually, when I would, probably was about 22, 21, 22, when I was in university in Cape Town, um, I had a complete meltdown. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a, a kind of a little bit of a crazy encounter with this man. And that really unraveled me. Um, and I really then had to start looking at what was going on in me in me, you know, Um, so, and then realizing again, confronted with this reality that actually, wow, my goodness, I I way prefer men than I do women. I've never been a sector attracted to women. And um, so I set out on this journey, kind of got connected into this church in South Africa, um, you know, discussed it with the pastor and you know people didn't really have answers John and they didn't know how to treat people and and I look back at it now and I there's no there's no kind of animosity or hard feelings towards them it was just they just didn't uh, like someone comes to me it's uh, come on some you know someone comes to them and says are they gay like oh my god what do we do um so I mean there was a lot of prayer there was a lot of deliverance yeah, Pray the gay away. (laughs) Pray the gay away. I remember one evening at a kind of youth meeting, you know, like everybody coming around to try and deliver demons out of me, the homosexual demons. Um, You know, I've been through psychotherapy. I've been, I've done... Cognitive behavioral therapy. I've done counseling. I've been to lots of gay organize uh, ex-gay organizations to kind of help me through this journey. In my in my life, I've tried everything, John, and I I sit here today the same as I was when I was seventeen. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's been no change. Absolutely, well, it's,
0: no change. it's like it's like trying to get someone like me, heterosexual, to stop. Finding women attractive,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: But but it's just how I'm wired. Yeah, I just don't get your attraction to guys. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah. you don't get my attraction to women. Yeah, because yeah. It, because it's not your attraction.
1: Yeah, you know. And, and I and I realize now what I realize now as well through this all is that that life is life is life, John do you know what I mean, life is, life is far from the ideal that God created it to be, you know, if creation and that is what we believe in, and God created this before sin entered the world, um, you know, then, then life is not perfect, life is, life is, life is not perfect, and, and human beings are not perfect, and, and sexual, our sexual beings are not perfect. And, you know, and that's not the point, you know, like the point is that he loves me regardless and, and, and that I'm his son.
0: And why, why do you think, why do you think people find or, or perceive same-sex attractions a, a greater sin than gossip or lying? Or stealing? I, mean, them. I just think
1: because it, it goes against everything that they feel, they are. you know? Because I think, you know, we all lie, we all gossip, we all do this, we all do that, We all do this, but we don't all have attraction to the same sex. So I think it's something that they're terrified of, mm. they're very fearful of. they, they, they don't know about it. And and there's always been this perception that you know whether it be same, whether it be men same sex attraction or women's same sex attraction, that it is a greater sin than yeah. if you heterosexually you know yeah if you commit adultery or, or, yeah. or sleep with your girlfriend or before you're married yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so there's the homosexual side of it has always been deemed and I've heard pastors speak of that from the pulpit, you know, okay. sitting under their ministry, sitting under their teaching and listening to that. And that just makes you feel lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser of a human being. I often I often wonder what would happen if, you know, if, if a married same-sex couple walked into a church and really loved God and sat there and 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 was under the teaching or whatever and and whether they would be accepted to stay in that church for uh, for forever you know or would Mm -hmm. they be expected to change or would they be expected to live differently um so so yeah i mean i think i think I don't know where that comes from, John, that homosexuality or same-sex attraction is a greater sin than another sin. I have no idea. But it certainly is what I have felt.
0: And it certainly
1: is what what the church has made me feel, that I'm less as them because this is who I am. And I think that was part of the deep struggle as well, that I'm actually less of a person than than other people.
0: Yeah. Well, it's... You, our sexuality is a part of our identity, regardless of whether it's heterosexuality or homosexuality. It's a part of our identity. And when you're continually told that that element of your being is wrong, yeah, that, what does that do? I mean, and all of this stuff you go through, and I know people mean well, they want to help, they, they, they want to fix you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? but But that can be traumatising on someone. It's like someone. It's like the church trying to heal me from being green-eyed.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. like cast out the demons of my green eyes or something, or
1: yeah.
0: I mean that that's traumatizing because it it's an yeah. It's yeah. but it's an essential part of who I am.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: as much as my sexuality is, as much as my sexual attraction to my wife is, is as a an integral part of me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that would be traumatizing. To continually being told you need to be fixed because you are wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of kind of you know people that, that suffer for, that suffer, but people that struggle with same sex attraction um, have very have have terrible self worth. have have terrible mental health problems you know depression and and all these things that surround it purely because they've been constantly told that they they're lesser of human beings and and what they're doing is not right you know Mm -hmm. so then again that internal turmoil and struggle of well Mm -hmm. gee if 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 i can't be who i am you know then then what
0: and i find well, what I've found over the years is that Christianity or Christendom as we've understood it, it, kind of does that not just to same-sex attracting people, they do it to everyone. Yeah. That It's almost like you have to deny a part of who you are and, and become what they say you should be. Yeah, You know, that, that it creates this internal struggle, I think, in most believers, not all, but, but I think in most, where I'm inclined this way what I'm being told I can't be that way. Yeah, And I don't even mean necessarily something that's gross, moral degradation,
1: yeah. but
0: just a part of my personality,
1: yeah.
0: you know? Uh, and I'm being told I can't be this, I have to be this. Yeah, And that's that's incredibly traumatising and damaging, um, I you know? And, and so I guess it's no wonder that you had a couple of meltdowns, you know?
1: yeah totally totally john totally and i and i just think also kind of what what i'm realizing in my own journey and what i what i i think walking in a revelation of knowing that god is your father and that you're his son that that and and walking in love you know and just that this life is about receiving love and giving it away that's my responsibility that's my my responsibility is not to not to judge not to condemn not to look and say you're right you're wrong you know my I my my calling in this life is to walk in love and to love people the way that God loves me and and you know I just think if if the church had that revelation if 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 the body of Christ knew that that it's not about condemning people. That it's not about judging people. That it's not about saying this is right, this is wrong. What you're doing, the lifestyle that you've chosen to live, yeah. is wrong. You know, if they if they could walk and love people, love transforms and changes, John. You yeah. know, love transforms and changes. You know, and 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 I think the ex- even in that, even me just saying that now, I'm saying that love transforms and changes. But you know. It hasn't transformed and changed my sexuality, you know. It's changed. It's transformed and changed so many deep things within me, but it hasn't made me straight, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so within it all, I just, I just, I just want to live in love, you know. I just want to live knowing that God loves yeah. me, and I want to extend that to other people. And I think, and I think, walking in in same sex attraction and walking being attracted to men big deal seriously (laughs) you know just 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 let people get on let people live their lives john
0: well i've realized michael that god never asked me to fix anyone
1: absolutely
0: he never asked the church to fix anyone
1: yeah
0: he never asked me when i was a pastor to fix anyone but i tried to
1: yeah
0: i tried to fix people yeah and i got frustrated when they weren't fixed Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder if it's the same in, in this whole with same-sex attractive people because you're wired that way. You're it's just it's who you are. Yeah. And people get frustrated when they can't change you, they can't fix you, they can't heal you. Yeah. But but I think you, you nailed it on the head, Michael, when you said, but we what we're called to is to love.
1: Yeah.
0: And if love If people need to change, then let God love them into change.
1: Absolutely, John.
0: You know, Jesus said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another.
1: Yeah.
0: So I realised my calling is to love people. Yes, point them to Christ, continually point them to Christ. Yeah. But everything else is up to him then. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All I do is point them to Christ, love them, walk in love with them. Yeah. And let Christ do the rest. Yeah yeah and it's so liberating
1: yeah. that
0: i do not have the responsibility to change you or to even try and change you yeah.
1: or to you want know? to change me
0: yeah or even to want to change you
1: yeah
0: you know yeah. and I'd and rather have my friend michael who is honest about who he is than my friend michael pretended to be what he's not
1: yeah and i think i think when people are, are confronted with this issue Um, and it is a it's it's it an issue and it is an issue in the church because people don't know what to do with it and i think when people are confronted it it brings out their own issues Mm. you know what i mean it really brings out their own prejudices and their own issues towards people that are same-sex attraction because actually if you truly did walk in love you wouldn't bother it's not it it, you wouldn't it wouldn't bother you why would it bother you if a man is attracted to a man or if a woman's attracted to a woman or if they're in a relationship or if they're married why would it bother you John Yeah. because if you are truly walking in love that would not bother you you would just want to love them. and as you said let 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 Jesus do the rest it's not my job and it's
0: been a massive culture war in the church massive you know Attacking homosexuality, and you know, because the, people look at pride parades and you get everyone across the spectrum there. Yeah, you know, you get the guy in the three piece tweed suit and the pride parade, and the guy in the fishnet stockings and the pride parade. <laughs> you know, it's like, and but people only see the guy in the fishnet stockings,
1: yeah,
0: and they say that's homosexuality,
1: yeah.
0: Now, I before I became a believer, I had no problem with homosexuality. Um, my business partner was was same sex attracted. Um, he did some outrageous things. You you can imagine. Yeah. I've been to some parties with them
1: <laughs> where
0: I was you know I'm the only straight person there. Yeah. So, yeah. You you know. I know this. You, you know I'm talking. No, I used to go <laughs> used to go to the gay clubs. I go you for a drink done. with all. Yeah. Go to go for a drink with all the guys who are same sex attracted. And I think I said this to you. I was like, you know, I was quite often wondered what was wrong with me because none of them ever hit on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's going on? I thought, man, I must be uglier than I'd realize.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but when I became a believer, I feel as though I was indoctrinated. Yeah. And I became prejudiced. Yeah. Against guys who are same-sex attracted.
1: Yeah.
0: I became. Anti. Um, same-sex attraction wow. now I think like you say this revelation changes your heart and this revelation of the father has been changing my heart yeah. and understanding that that actually it is just prejudice I mean it's bigotry because you see he doesn't love me more than he loves you because I'm straight yeah yeah wow and he doesn't love you less than me because you're same-sex attracted wow wow my and if he loves like that, yeah, why can't I? Yeah, why don't I love like that? Why doesn't the church love like that? Why is same-sex attraction such a massive thing uh, in the sight of, of the church?
1: Yeah,
0: and I, I understand there are scriptures and everything, but I've had to look at these scriptures and they don't support the view. That God condemns homosexual people to hell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have time to go into it now. I'll probably do a separate podcast on that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm convinced that God does not condemn people to hell. Well, I don't think he condemns anyone to hell.
1: Yeah.
0: But I don't, I love what you said. You know, when you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't believe that there's, that God puts any condemnation upon people who are same sex attracted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, it's it's interesting, you know, you've been saying you're walking with God for, what, almost 50 years now?
1: Yeah.
0: And and he's not changed your sexual orientation. Yeah. But he's changed a lot of other things in your life. He's changed your bigotry and prejudice to black people. He's changed how you walk through life. He's changed how you view yourself. He's changed how you view other people.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and, and that... For me, that begs the question is like, so perhaps same sex attraction is not as big an issue for God as it is for us human beings. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Because surely, if that was a huge issue, God would have changed that in you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If, it, if it's something
0: that worried him and he thought would stop you getting to heaven,
1: yeah. if you like. <laughs> absolutely, John. You hit the but, nail on the head there.
0: But he's changed other things in you.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just and let me tell you what if i if i sorry john to interrupt you oh, but if, if i didn't walk with this and i viewed it as a struggle in the past and i used it uh, viewed it as a big stone and a hindrance but i now embrace it and 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 i see how i see how how connected i am with him through it so i now see it as a blessing you know, um, I truly see it as a blessing, uh, John. Uh, in a, in a,
0: <laughs> that's, that, that's pretty cool. But yeah, for me, that's the whole issue. God has changed so much in you, but he's not changed your sexual orientation. So for me, okay, it's, I, I can't tell you which verse of the Bible it would be in, but for yeah. me, it doesn't seem to be an issue for God in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it doesn't seem to be a hindrance to your walking with him once you acknowledge that this is who you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: um, yeah. and I know so many other guys who struggle with, with same-sex attraction and they don't tell anyone. I've yeah. spoken to so many young guys who, who struggle with that and I've, I've just had to say to them, if well, i not doing anything about it, then you can't be bothered about it. Yeah. No. Well,
1: and...
0: Um, and I, I just love that I love that he's not that discriminatory. Yeah. Totally. His, love, his love doesn't discriminate between you deserve it and you don't. Yeah. Um, well, and he doesn't, his love doesn't focus on the issues that we focus on. Yeah. You know, he, he looks at our hearts and, and, and sees, here's where there's pain.
1: Yeah.
0: Here's the part of your life that needs to know love
1: yeah
0: that's the part i'm going to focus on
1: yeah
0: i'm going to focus on this part of your heart that needs to be loved
1: well
0: wow. yeah but god i want you to deal with this and he's like yeah 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 but that's something yeah. that's nothing once we deal with this stuff in your heart that'll that'll change you know and it's it's incredible
1: yeah you know
0: and i, I love how now, don't get me wrong, I still struggle with the idea that people seem sex-attracted, not because I think it's evil, but because of my prejudice.
1: Yeah.
0: But I love that love is bringing me out of the other side of that, yeah. back to where I was before I became a believer, where I understand that people are people.
1: Yeah.
0: And we each have our ideals, our lifestyles, our way of life, our outlook in life, our perspective of life. And I cannot sit here and say that someone's perspective is wrong.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Because I, because I don't know what God's doing in their life.
1: Yeah. You know? So, it's so,
0: and, and I and I see the evidence of you walking with God, Michael. It's not as though I can say, well, you don't really know God. Because I know that's not true. I know, because I know you personally, I know you walk with God. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's not that you're not a believer in and this is the thing that I, I struggle with, where the church is saying, "Well, you can't really be saved, yeah, if if you have same sex attraction, yeah. Well, you know, I've caught you lying, so you can't be saved if you're, you know, yeah. It's I, we we like degrade sin or what we perceive to be sin,
1: yeah.
0: But actually, there's no difference between one thing and another. Absolutely, John. Uh, and I just wish. Like you said, the church would realize it's actually not about someone's perceived sin; yeah. it's about loving people.
1: Yeah,
0: that's what the gospel is actually all about. But loving people.
1: Yeah. And it's and, and yeah, and what you said about kind of it's just really hit me is that if God wanted to have changed it, He He's capable of doing it, John. Yeah. He's capable of doing it. You know. And, and yeah, so, so why hasn't he taken it away from me? You know, if it was that much of an issue to him, why hasn't he taken it away from me? And, and yeah, it comes back to the thing is that it, that, that it is a part of my life that I know that has always just drawn me closer to him. It's drawn me closer to him because I've had to rely on him. I've had to trust in him. I've had yeah. to see him. I've had to walk with him. I've had to journey through this pain and difficulty and hardship and rejection and that, the, that the world has put on me. I've had to journey through that with him, but it's drawn me to him. It's not. Yeah. Push me, it's not pushed me away from him. And so many people say that sin separates you and pushes you away from God. Not in my experience. If if it, if sin is sin, you know, sin these things.
0: But see, but then that's that's the thing, isn't it? We, we've assumed that same-sex attraction is sinful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I, I'm not convinced of that anymore.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not convinced that, that same-sex attraction is sinful. Yeah, any more than. Me watching some girl walk up the aisle and looking at her, her backside and, and her legs or something, you know. Absolutely. Um, no, don't get me wrong. That's not something that I would encourage.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you know what I mean. I know exactly um, what you mean.
1: Because it's all part of it's all part of uh, of this world that we live in, John. It's all part of this world that we live in, and and yeah. I mean, it is. I just
0: wonder why the Christian world feels so threatened by same-sex attraction. You know, um, I know there are militant groups, but there are militant Christian groups as well, you know, anti-abortionists and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think we can pin it just on um, militant groups. Campaign for equality or whatever, or, you know. Um, my experience is that most same sex attracted people don't want to take over the world with same sex attraction.
1: Yeah,
0: They just want to be allowed to live their lives Absolutely. and be accepted as human beings
1: yeah.
0: in whatever sphere that they're operating in. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and I know so many, well, not, I've met a number of same sex attracted Christian men and some women, and they struggle terribly because it's like they have this awful secret that they can't come out and tell everyone about.
1: Yeah,
0: And so they can't, you know, they can't be really Michael or yeah. or Judy or, or Ben or, you know, they can't be any of these real people. Yeah. They have to be what everyone else expects Judy to be or Michael to be or, you know,
1: yeah. um, and that's, that's tough. Um, yeah, that's incredibly that's difficult. You know, hiding who you are, you know, hiding who you are to the world is an extre- extraordinarily tough thing. And, and actually, I remember when I came out when I was 31, and what a relief that was. What a relief that was for me. You know, I, feel like, I felt like I could breathe again, you know, or felt like I could really breathe for the first time, you know, an admission to myself and an admission, but it took me a long time, you know, Mm. an admission to myself and an admission to anybody, everybody around me that this is who I am. What what was the reaction
0: when you came out, Michael?
1: A lot of people breathed a sigh of relief and thought, oh my God, thank heavens, he's finally decided to come
0: out. it's, It's funny because obviously when we met, you didn't, so I just go, hey, John, I'm Michael, I'm, okay. I'm same-sex attracted. Don't worry, I don't fancy you. You know, it's like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but I remember sitting in Torquay having that conversation with you. You were like, Yeah, you know, I've struggled with same sex attraction. And I thought to myself, uh-huh, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. When I first when I first met you, I was like, oh my Michael's either same-sex attracted or not or has been or you know i knew it was there yeah and so it wasn't a surprise to me when you told me but but i felt very privileged that you you trusted me enough to tell me that that's that's where you were at and that's who you were
1: so it's Um, interesting john so so a lot of people had that reaction um i mean it was very i i've had this relationship with this first guy that i really met and fell in love with and i wanted to be with and you know, and, and I thought, okay, now is the time, if I'm going to be with this guy, I w- I'm going to have to tell people, um, so I, I I guess the first people I wanted to tell was my parents, and I got on a plane and flew to South Africa to tell my parents, wow. and, it, um, and it was a very, 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 I was uh, met with hostility, and rejection, and anger, and um, not love at all, you know, mm. and and I guess that also, part of it was was the difficult journey for me. You know that my own yeah. parents just rejected me. Um, yeah. And how we, are they? Are they still the same now, Michael? Or yeah, has we that don't changed. We don't talk about it now at all. You know because they're very. You know my parents and they. But you still have relationship with them. I mean, yeah, yeah, we yeah. close. We close. We speak regularly and we chat. And, you know, and yeah. I've had to journey through that part of it as well, John, because I've had to journey through the part that I can't expect other people you know, their, their views and their opinions, what they want to think of me is what they want to think of me. You know, that's not my yeah. issue. And I had to let, learn to let that go from, yeah. from my parents, from my mother and my father, as difficult as it was. And as much as I would love them to just deeply understand who I am more, there's that part of me that they will never understand. And and um, so, yeah, and that that was tough you know when your own family kind of rejects you but but with god and 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 le- allowing him to father me in that place has really been able to me to extend love and and just compassion and kindness towards yeah. those who don't see it the same way that i do you know so how, how, how did the churches you
0: belong to how have they received that uh, you and
1: and your sexuality You know, and I think I've journeyed through it in different stages over the last, say, 20 years, John, from, you know, when I was in my early 30s, from when I came out to having, you know, living in a crazy kind of gay lifestyle for 10 years, you know, had had a few different kind of long term relationships in those 10 years. Um, And then kind of when my last relationship ended at the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, I um, I was devastated and broken as anyone would be at the end of a relationship or, you know, with someone that you love dearly, yeah. someone that you've spent your life with and journeyed with. When that ended, it was very difficult for me and I sought, sought solace in God, you know, um, but thinking that I needed to find comfort and find love uh, demonstrated through the church so i got connected in a church again and started going to a church and it was great and god touched me powerfully but again this issue was never really it was always hovered you know the pastors knew about it the elders knew about it the leaders knew about it um i wasn't acting out or i wasn't living in a gay relationship Wasn't having sex with men um and that was okay then you know what i mean there were conditions in how you had to live your life and you know once a year the pastor would come to me and say to me oh michael um uh, how are you doing now any woman in the church that you fancy do you think you kind of uh, you know are you ready to get married and i would say i've not had a frontal lobotomy mate I've not just had my brain removed, and all of a sudden I'm heterosexual. It's just not happened. Like, when are you gonna? When are you gonna get it? You know. So there was always this expectation on me that I am on the journey to becoming heterosexual. This is what this is what walking in Christ is. This is what walking in the church is. This is what healing and restoration and wholeness is. You're on the journey to becoming heterosexual. It and and so that was my entire expectation the expectation of the church on me when i was in churches um and still is um, and i still have friends that have that expectation that i've had to sure. that i've had to spell it out very clearly to them that it ain't never going to happen i'm happy with it i'm content that w- what is your issue with it you know? well
0: i think that's the important thing isn't it like are, are you content to live with being you and yeah. I don't just mean for same-sex attraction. I mean for any any person, any human being, because I find that the majority of human beings are not happy living with who they are. Yeah. You know, this is why we've got this pr- proliferation of, of reality TV, because none of them want to be who they are. They want to be someone else and something else. And, you know, and the sales of Botox have rocketed and slug eyebrows and, you know, lip fillers. And because... No one is content with living it themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you found that peace, regardless of whether it's heterosexuality, homosexuality, yeah. uh, no sexuality, yeah. if you're asexual, I don't care. It's, are you content being you? Yeah. And I find for, for myself personally, that's what this revelation of the Father's love has done for me. Yeah. Enabled me to be content being John. It's such a That's my prayer for everyone else.
1: Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing, John. And, and you know, kind of where I'm at now with the whole situation is that, you know, I know what is not healthy for me. Mm. You know, I know the things in my life that trigger that wouldn't be healthy for anybody. We all have yes. that know that we are not healthy. I'm aware of these things. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware that if I'm feeling low and I feel like I need to act out, it's not going to be healthy for me you know, having random sexual encounters is not healthy for me, you know, it happens, it's life, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be stressed out about it, um, but it's not healthy for me, and I know the triggers in my own life, and I'm journeying through them, and I'm I'm letting Father help me to find comfort and solace in Him, you know, drawing my, drawing my comfort from Him, drawing my love from Him, drawing my acceptance from Him, drawing those things that i that I long for because I'm single and I don't have, you know, a relationship which I desire. Um,
0: and I so, think that's the thing. As you get older, it's not about sex.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's about
0: companionship. It's about yeah. someone knowing you. Yeah. You know, so I'm 60 now. Believe me, it's not all about sex anymore. <laughs> 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 The figures have less effect upon me.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
0: but I, I have wonderful companionship with a woman who understands me. Yeah. And lets me be me. Yeah. And I miss and vice, ver- and vice versa. And that's really I, I think as you get older, that's what becomes more important. Yeah. And the, the sex part when it when it happens is a lovely intimate moment. Yeah but it's a small part of, of
1: that. Yeah.
0: You know, and it's, it's almost like scripture saying people with your sexual orientation aren't allowed to have that. Yeah. Because we think it's wrong.
1: Yeah. And, and that, that, and that I must admit is, is difficult. And that's what I, I, I do struggle with it because I would love that. Um, and I've had it in the past. I just kind of think at this point in my life where I'm at now, with it is, it would be very difficult to enter into a relationship with another man who who didn't kind of have some kind of spiritual Christian kind of revelation, you know. And 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 that's not easy to find in you know who are men who are who have same sex attraction. I mean, I don't know many, you know, who because it's a, they've all run away from that because they've been condemned in it you yeah. know so all all you know men and women that are, that have uh, same sex attraction have run away from god because they've been condemned by people yeah. um, and they felt that god has condemned them so it's very difficult to connect with people in this way and that also would be would would want a relationship um, yeah. so I find, so the loneliness is real, you know, the loneliness is real. Um, but I do, I do walk daily with him, you know, and I know that in those times of loneliness that, that he does bring comfort, John, he does yeah, bring, comfort. And if, and if it never happens in this life, well, I draw, I draw from him, you know, um, and he, he, but I, but I, but I would be open to it. I would be sure. open to it. The older that I get, I feel like gee, I've, I'm just as entitled as anybody else to meet somebody and love them and care for them and let them love and care for me you know so I'm open it but it's just it's just kind of a little difficult yeah in this in this where I'm at and who I would want to meet you know
0: well, What is it that, that was said it's not good for the man to be alone?
1: Yeah yeah, I get that. I get that because it, it isn't, it isn't yeah. because we, we all have that part of us that yearns, you know, yeah. to be comforted and held by another human being. I, we can get it from God. Of course, he's the source of all comfort. He's the source of all love. He's the source of everything, but he created us in that way for yeah. deep connection with another human being.
0: Well, I think that's part of what it means to be made in his image. Isn't it to the, the desire for connection, the, the socialisation. I mean, God is Trinity, <laughs> and there's this eternal dance going on of intimacy and love and mutual uh, support and all of that, all of everything that's in that. You know, all this communion together. Yeah. And I think part of being made in His image is uh, being able to be part of that as well. with other human beings, not just with God, but with other human beings, to have that mutuality, that um, harmony, that dance together of intimacy and, and, pardon me, companionship,
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, my friend, it's been absolutely wonderful to chat with you. Yeah. Um, Thank you, John. Hopefully with all this lockdown ending, we'll we'll be able to have that beer together
1: at some
0: point. I look forward to that.
1: I look forward to it. Thank you, John, for for chatting to me.
0: It's a pleasure. And again, just for people watching and listening, I really would recommend uh, Justin Lee's book, Unconditional. Um, It's an incredible story, honest story, about the struggles with same-sex attraction uh, and the the search with God for a cure, (laughs) if you like, until he accepts that this is actually who he is. And so he stops asking, why am I like this? And starts to ask, God, how do you want me to live? And I think that's a fabulous question for him to discover that this is the question he needs to ask. He needs to ask God, how do you want me to live? I think you're finding that, mate. I am. I think you're finding how God wants you to live, and I'm so happy. So pleased. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank
1: you, Thank you. Love you too. Huh? But enjoy the rest of your day. I will uh, it you. was
0: fabulous to chat with you, mate. And we'll catch up really soon. Of course. All right, John. Lots of love. Bless you, buddy. Bye bye.